think of India and Indian food and the name Maddo Jaffrey immediately comes to mind. Described as the doyen of Indian cuisine, Madhu has written numerous recipe books and she joins me now in the Emirates World Studio here in Dubai to discuss her latest book entitled simply Curry Easy Vegetarian. So welcome to the program, Madhu, and welcome to this Emirates flight. Now, the title says easy, but I suspect there's an awful lot of hard work went into that book. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I say easy, I mean easy. Tell us about the book. Why, why did you write it? How did you come to write it? Well... I just felt that there are so many Indian dishes that people don't know. People don't know the way we really eat, what we put together with what. What does a jeweler eat? What does a farmer eat? What is the food in Kashmir like? What is the food in Tamil Nadu like? Uh, in individual homes, what are they serving each other? What comprises a meal? So I thought it would be very interesting to put together meals and foods that families enjoy as opposed to individual food that you may or may not want to cook. But just give an idea of what Indians need to make quick meals for themselves. So how did you set about it? I mean, that's a gargantuan task when you think about how big India is and how many well, people there are there. Well, this is the thing that you set about it the way I usually do. There's a lot of preparation because you have to start calling people and saying, all right, I want to explore this area or these two or three areas. What can you help me with? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? I want to, uh, for example, in South India, I decided that I would not go by air. Even, you know, the distances are great. I said, I want to travel from one end of the land to the other by car. So I can jump out anytime I want. If something is cooking on the road that I think is looking wonderful, I want to, I will jump out. Allow room for that. So I had to set up each place and it, I did it over several trips. But it becomes great fun because then you are exploring just how India actually eats. And then I liked, enjoyed reporting what the chili farmer were eating. What was their meal? They they were there picking chilies, good ones, bad ones, the dried chilies, first drying them, then picking them. But what were they eating? Those women who were doing this work. So I said, can you open your lunchbox and show me what you have inside? Because I just wanted to give people a sense of how simple an Indian meal can be and how complicated an Indian meal can be, depending on who you are, where you live. Not all Indian food is, you know, rich and complicated. Some people were rather like Italian farmers who eat just pasta with some garlic and a, a chili and olive oil. And we have versions of that in South India, which they were eating, the chili women were eating, which was rice with a sauce made with chilies and and tomatoes, and salt, and, and pepper, you know, just that, very simple. And it was a delicious sauce. You could see why they would want it on their rice. It's rather like the Italians. So there are comparable things happening around the world for the rich and the poor. And it's just fun to record a time and a place where this is happening and put it in a book. And then 20, 30 years later, people can see those. This is what they were eating at that time. This is what the rich jeweler was eating in Bombay. And this is what the fisherwoman was eating. And this is, you know, it's sort of, it's a recording really of what is eaten. And then for very simple dishes, for vegetarians, if somebody, a vegetarian wants a quick meal, 
what do they do? You, they're not going to make dal from scratch. They don't have the time. They're in a rush. They have to have a quick something, a quick bite, as it were. So there's something called poha, which is, exists all over India. And that is rice that has been uh, steamed, dried, roasted, and now it's, it's called parched, it's parched rice. It's completely dry. And you have it sitting in your cupboard. And you take it out, you soak it in water, you squeeze out the water, and then you stir-fry it with all your spices and your little bit of tomato, little bit of chili, little bit of whatever you want. And it becomes an instant meal. And it's absolutely delicious. And you can have it ready in 10 minutes. So there are things like that which I feel people should know about. I've never heard of that before. No, well, you see, it's in the book. I know. I read it in the book and I thought, hmm, <laughs> must, must try this. Yes. Tell us about the tradition of the tiffin tin. Well, when I went to school in India, I went on a bicycle after a certain age. I went on a bicycle with my tiffin tin dangling from my handlebar. It's, it's a container. It can have just one piece. It can have two pieces. It can have three stacked one on top of the other. And that contains the lunch, the tiffin, as it were, that you're going to eat. So you take it to school and then you share whatever you've brought with all your chums in school. And the wonderful thing was that I was from one kind of family. I was a Hindu family, eating, bringing certain kinds of food. But there were Sikh families. There were Muslim families, each bringing their own kind of food. And we'd all sit around together and share our food, which was absolutely wonderful. Did you learn about other people's food and you share your own with them. In your exploration of India, going around India as you did, did you discover anything totally new that was a complete surprise to you? I would say 70% was new because I was looking for the new. Everything I knew already, I bypassed. Mm -hmm. And there are parts of India where I'd never been. that Nobody knows Indian food, everything about Indian food. Everyone knows aspects of Indian food. But India is vast. And even within a state, there are pockets that you know nothing about. For example, I didn't know that in Kurg, which is in Karnataka, in southern Karnataka, people ate wild mushrooms in a certain way. And these are big mushrooms the size of dinner plates. They roast them over a wood fire, and then they put squeezed lime juice and crushed chilies and salt on it, and they have it with whiskey. And I'm a whiskey drinker. So I thought, wow, I'm going to try this. And I made it, and it was delicious, and it's great with whiskey. Is that in the book too? I, it is. Wow, I should give that a go. <laughs> I love mushrooms, I love whiskey. Yes. <laughs> um, how easy is it to replicate these dishes at home? Very easy. Otherwise, I wouldn't put them in there. Sometimes, like poha, you have to get the ingredients, but they're so available. Every Indian shop has them. Or you can go online, have it sent right to your doorstep. I want to leave aside um, the, the, the recipe book for a little bit and, and perhaps talk a little bit about your own very distinguished career over the years. But first of all, I want to take you back to growing up in Delhi in the days of the English Raj, what are your abiding memories of life during that period before India became independent? Well, the interesting thing was that I grew up at a time when the fight for independence was gathering steam. So I was amongst the first. I remember, for example, at the end of a film, the 
British national anthem would play and we would walk out because that was one of the protest things that we did and all taught to us by Gandhi, don't do anything violent, just walk out quietly. So we did. My father led, my mother followed and all of us like little ducklings and followed. And we were great moviegoers. So this became one of the quiet protests that we will not stand for the national anthem. So there were little things like that. We knew what the British had done for us and yet at the same time, we wanted to be independent, and that was very clear. And I remember that whole movement, being part of the whole movement. I remember, because Gandhi said, go home and spin your own cloth. We're not buying imported cloth. We're spinning our own. So I was spinning. I was spinning thread that we sent in, we collected, and sent in to have made into cloth. The khadi that was done being made into cloth. So I was part of that. So there were all kinds of aspects of the Raj which were part of the protest movement from our side that I remember being very much a part of. Must have been so exciting when you finally achieved independence that Absolutely. the great day came. Well, the great day came in, in many different ways. I remember the day of independence with uh, Nehru and Mountbatten my father took me there, riding in this wonderful carriage, coming down Kingsway. And then the, the Union Jack was lowered and our flag went up and everybody cheered. I mean, there were like thousands and hundreds of thousands of people there. And I'll never forget it. And then very shortly afterwards, uh, I remember going to hear Gandhi speak. And three days after I heard him speak at a prayer meeting, he was shot. So then, again, I was taken to that, to the same spot, actually, because we never couldn't get to where he was being cremated. There were too many people. But we were far enough away, and we could see the smoke of his funeral pyre, but we couldn't get close enough. So all these are my memories as a child growing up at that time of that particular part of our history. Everyone knows you now as, predominantly knows you now as a cookery writer and an expert on Indian cuisine, yes. but you set out to be something very different, didn't you? You set I out to be an actress. I that other person. I'm the actress. Uh, I just happen to have been diverted. <laughs> <laughs> I've been acting since I was a kid. In school first, then radio, then when first television came to India, I was there. Then I came to England, I was at RADA. And at the same time, the BBC, I was doing things on the BBC, on both television and radio. And then in America, I wasn't always getting the kind of work I wanted, so I started writing. And that sort of led me into cooking eventually. But I've always done both. I was writing articles on, just to make money, on anything that I knew anything about, and that was the arts. I was writing about architecture, art, music, you know, anything like that. And then somebody said, one magazine said, would you like to write an article about what you ate as a child in India? So I wrote that. And around the same time, uh, I had done a film called Shakespeare Bala, which was going to be shown in New York. So as publicity for that, uh, the New York Times did a big article on me as an actress who likes to cook. And th that sort of immediately led to editors writing to me and saying, would you like to do a cookbook? And that's how I got carried into that other world. I hadn't planned on it. 
Uh, there was no design in my mind that this would become part of my life. It just happened. What was that first cookbook? Can you remember? Yes, it was called An Invitation to Indian Cooking. It was published in America first by Knopf, and then it was taken over by Jonathan Cape. They published it, and, and that was that. And then I had a whole other career going. So now, do you see yourself primarily as a, as a food writer or as an actress? Which is your I, first I see love? myself still as an actress who also writes about food. And what does the acting career hold for you at the moment? Do you have any projects in the pipeline? I do. I mean, I have things that might happen. Nothing is very sure. I'm, I'm looking at a few things that are possible, but nothing really sure at the moment. And uh, any more books in the pipeline? Yes, yes. Always I have a book in the pipeline. <laughs> You're not slowing down at all, are no, you? No, no, no. Why? If I enjoy my work so much, why would I slow down? And you've got three lovely daughters, I believe. I do. And what are they up to now? Well, one daughter teaches uh, creative writing in, in a college, uh, the new school in New York. And she's a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And the next daughter is a school teacher. She teaches music and movement and drama. And the third daughter is actually a, an actress and a very successful one at that. So it's a tradition uh, being carried on by the uh, next absolutely, generation. Absolutely, yes. Madhu Jaffrey, it's been lovely, real treat talking to you. Thank you so much for sparing us your time today here at the Litfest. And I hope to see you again at the Litfest very soon. Yes, thank you very much.